This is Financing the Future, a UNEPFI podcast with the changemakers serving people and planet. I'm your host, Elliot Harris. The UN Environment Programme's finance initiative, UNEPFI, catalyzes action across the financial system to align economies with sustainable development. Today, we are talking about how collaboration can help to achieve the Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs. Achieving the SDGs is a complex task that will require the collaboration of governments, businesses, civil society and individuals. Insurance can play a key role in this collaboration. To background, in 2012, at the UN Conference on Sustainable Development in Rio de Janeiro, the Rio Plus 20 Conference, the United Nations and the insurance industry launched the Principles for Sustainable Insurance, which has led to the PSI, creating the largest collaborative initiative between the UN and the global insurance industry. So in this episode, we want to take a look at how collaboration can help to achieve the SDGs. We start off today by speaking with Butch Bakani, who leads the UN Environment Programme's Principle for Sustainable Insurance Initiative. Then we will listen to two members of the UNFFI Leadership Council, who spoke to the UNFFI team on the sidelines of the recent regional roundtable for Africa and the Middle East, held in Namibia. Thank you for joining us, Butch. To start the discussion off, uh, let me ask you for a little bit of context. What was the rationale for creating the PSI, the Principles for Sustainable Insurance? What were its main aims? Thank you, Elliot. It's great to be here. The main aim of establishing the PSI was because at the time, that was, remember, it was more than 10 years ago, there was no unifying sustainability framework that the global insurance industry could use as a benchmark for its role in sustainable development. And the PSI was created to harness the full potential of the global insurance industry as risk managers, as insurers, and investors in supporting sustainable development. Um, you mentioned the Rio Plus 20 conference um, in 2012. We felt that was the best time to launch such an initiative or a set of principles because that marked the 20th anniversary of the original Earth Summit in Rio, which created the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change, the UN Convention on Biological Diversity, and so on and so forth, which became the uh, contemporary uh, multilateral frameworks for sustainable development. And we thought that was a good time for the global insurance industry to unify its position on sustainable development as risk managers, insurers, and investors. So if you look at those four principles for sustainable insurance, it's meant to drive systemic change. First principle is about how an insurer could embed environmental, social, or governance issues into its core business or sustainability issues, be it in risk management, in the way it um, writes uh, um, underwrites risk and the way it invests. Secondly, principle two digs into how the insurance, how an insurance company could work with its value chain from clients and suppliers all the way to intermediaries like brokers and reinsurers. And principle three is a very string, uh, very strong, um, uh, nod to the value of collaboration. You mentioned collaboration earlier. Principle three states that we will work together with governments, regulators, and broader society to promote widespread action on sustainability issues. 
And principle four is about being accountable and transparent in the way you are implementing the principles. So that was the essence of the PSI, and it has now led to around 250 organizations around the world representing at least one-third of global uh, uh, premium and 15 trillion in assets committed to the principles. So in a nutshell, that's what the PSI was for and uh, in 2012. Now, Butch, that, that raises a really interesting point, is that these principles were agreed upon in 2012 prior to the adoption of the Sustainable Development Goals per se. So from this perspective now, what do we see as the priorities of the PSI for amplifying sustainable insurance in this UN decade of sustainable development, of action to achieve the Sustainable Development Goals? Perfect question, uh, Elliot, because it predates the SDGs. So it was in this intersection between the UN Conference of Sustainable Development in Rio, which actually catapulted the SDGs agenda to 2015, and then the SDGs in 2015. So what we've done is that since these are high-level aspirational principles, we've contextualized the work of the PSI and used the SDGs as really the North Star for this decade of action. And um, and if you look at the 17 Sustainable Development Goals, personally, uh, I know there's a lot there, and one of them is collaboration, SDG 17, there's climate action, there's no poverty, but if you synthesize everything into seven words, one can say that ultimately the purpose of the SDGs is prosperity for all on a healthy planet. And what we've done in the PSI is use the SDGs to uh, as a North Star, and we've identified seven priorities in this decade. One is to push the net zero insurance agenda, where insurance is, has a role in decarbonizing the real economy. Number two is um, um, resilience, adaptation, and losses and damage, because no matter how much we mitigate emissions, the impacts of climate change are upon us, and we know with all of the evidence that in the events happening around the world now that Communities around the world, particularly climate vulnerable developing countries, have to be resilient um, to the impacts of climate change. So two is resilience and adaptation. Three is nature positive insurance. In the same way that we have used insurance in the climate change context, both for mitigation and adaptation, we believe that insurers have a role in reducing biodiversity loss and ecosystem degradation and also the benefits of nature in building um, not only as carbon sinks, but also in building community resilience to a, a warming planet. Four is a broader ESG agenda where we want to embed the ESG agenda throughout all lines of insurance business because not every line of insurance is the same. Non-life insurance is a very different cup of tea from life and health insurance. And within non-life insurance, you have insurance like marine insurance and aviation, which is very different from day-to-day -day motor car insurance or home insurance. And then on the life and health side, you have group and personal um, health uh, health insurance, which is also very different from life insurance. Um, and then other priorities would be really uh, amplifying it further. How do we define sustainable insurance roadmaps? Um, across regions and countries, because these are global principles. 
ultimately, you need to contextualize what works for Africa, what works for Latin America and the Caribbean, what works for North America, and so on and so forth. Um, and um, the last, um, uh, the last one is really policy, regulatory, and real economy engagement. Uh, and this is in line with principle three of the PSI, where ultimately, whatever the insurance industry is doing within the industry, we can do further and more if we engage with policymakers, regula regulators, and the real economy, who should be at the heart of the transition. Great. Thank you very much, Bush. That does sort of set the framework clearly. But I wonder if you could flesh it out with a concrete example of how insurance has been used to facilitate progress or to drive progress towards the SDGs. And at the same time, could you give me a little bit of a sense of well, what are some of the challenges that the insurance industry has faced in trying to achieve or to help achieve the SDGs? Right. I'll focus on the insurance role of insurers because there's, you know, we ha they have a big role as institutional investors as well. Um, we know that they are globally, there's 36 trillion in assets under management for the global issues industry. So the way that capital is, is, is deployed would have a telling impact on sustainable development. But insurance per se, which is the core business of insurance, all insurers are investors because they are insurance companies. So let's look at the insurance business. So I think, Elliot, the main thing here that we know the insurance industry has contributed already over the years to the SDGs is on the adaptation and resilience front. Because the, if you follow the insurance risk management continuum, we know that the business model of insurance is really centered around managing risk. So what insurers have done over the years is to really to understand risk, help prevent and reduce losses, and any residual risk is insured via an insurance policy. So if you follow that and apply that to something very tangible, let's say climate risk, um, the first part of call that insurers can have contributed to is risk analytics, because risk is the currency of insurance. And if more communities and clients are aware of the risk that they're facing, then the more that they are able to understand the risk appetite or the way they're able to manage their risk better. So this is the reason why the analytics of the insurance industry are useful in informing um, what is the cat catastrophe risk of a particular entity or business or a particular country, in fact, to a uh, hazard like um, a hurricane or a flood. Then you have, if you apply that to prevention. This is why insurers have been strong advocates of flood prevention, disaster preparedness, um, early warning systems, all the way to the implementation of uh, building codes that would be climate resilient, right? And then you have then ultimately the risk transfer part, which is the insurance solution, where you can't eliminate uh, risk. So ultimately, despite best efforts to understand and prevent and reduce losses, there's still residual losses. And this is where insurance comes as a financial shock absorber to help people and businesses get back to their feet when um, a big event um, happens. The thing that is also what we're, and this also partly answers the challenges question, um, Elliot, is that the PSI has now expanded 
that role of insurance where insurance is not simply a tool for adaptation and resilience. We believe that insurance also is an enabler of economic activities and just like any form of financing like lending or investment. And by being an enabler, you can enable something that's sustainable, sustainable or unsustainable. And this is where we've expanded the role of insurance into the areas of nature and decarbonization, where now we believe that insurers can help decarbonize the real economy uh, based on by engaging with their clients on their decarbonization pathway, insuring um, um, all the green insurance solutions, green technologies that we want, uh, be it renewables, low carbon transportation, nature-based solutions, um, and then basically externalizing emissions, um, and then using that insurance as a lever. And what would apply the same on nature loss? This is where now we've expanded the role of insurance Elliot, and that's a big opportunity, but at the same time, it's very novel. I can see that, and in fact, that raises a, a potentially thorny question. Um, is the insurance industry pushing ahead too far or too fast? Is it getting ahead of itself with regard to other sectors? So, as you say, the, the insurance industry enables, and of course, in the absence of insurance, a lot of commercially viable activity just simply would not be possible because the requirement is there for these activities to be insured. So the insurance industry has this critical role. And the question arises then in my mind, well, how can the insurance industry work with other sectors in a collaborative way in order to advance the sustainable development agenda, while at the same time understanding that the insurance industry seems to be pretty well advanced in its own work with regard to sustainability, how can one balance that to drive an agenda without pushing too fast? Yes, so it's a good question, Elliot. So let me put it this way. If, if the real economy is already on a sustainable footing, then ultimately insurance and other forms of finance would be sustainable. But it is not. So that means whether it's on the carbon emission side or the resilience side or the nature side of the SDG equation, all the way to human rights and social inclusion, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. So what we're simply doing is using insurance as another lever to drive change in, in the real economy across the environmental, social, and economic dimensions of, of sustainable development. And I think one thing that's really interesting, Elliot, is that the engagement with other sectors is really has been around for the insurance industry. But as I mentioned earlier, it was in a very important space, but a very a narrower one than the broader sustainability agenda. So when you talk about adaptation and resilience to climate impacts, for example, for many years, when insurers engage with companies or um, across different industry sectors and also households, they would ask basically questions about vulnerability, hazard exposure and vulnerability to potential impacts of a changing climate, right? And now you can add other things like with the degradation of nature, well, how did it impact uh, the business? And, and that has been proven to be, to have, affected change in terms of 
more preventative measures and arguably one can do a lot more, but that conversation engagement between the insurance industry and different sectors has been around. Now the engagement on other sustainability issues like negative externalities like emissions and nature loss and human rights is um, is a less sophisticated engagement across industry sectors. And that's the reason why um, the, the metrics around that engagement is actually quite newer. They didn't exist before. Whereas if you look at the asset side of the balance sheet, the investor investment role of insurers, for many years, insurers or investors have been engaging with companies in the real economy on shareholder engagement, active ownership, on many sustainability issues. But that insurer engagement on more novel issues like emissions and nature loss is actually a lot newer because of this wider role of insurance that we believe is, is happening. So I think there's a reason to, um, to, to have that engagement with the real economy and with different industry sectors manifest itself more. Um, and we put out um, new concepts there uh, that form part of the sustainable insurance agenda, uh, uh, be it on net zero or nature. Great. Uh, thank you for that. I think that sets the stage very well. And now I'd like for us to listen to the reflections of Philip Lopopoyet. He is the chief executive officer of ICEA Lion Group. And he reflected on the principles of sustainable insurance and its various initiatives, such as the Nairobi Declaration on Sustainable Insurance, at the recent regional roundtable of Africa and the Middle East that was held in Namibia. Collaboration in the insurance industry in Africa is crucial for addressing the continent's development challenges and achieving the SDGs. By pooling resources, expertise, and networks, stakeholders can create synergies and innovative solutions that have a positive impact on economic growth, social well-being, and environmental sustainability. The insurance industry in Africa plays a vital role in risk management and building resilience. Collaborative efforts can facilitate knowledge sharing, capacity building, and risk assessments leading to better risk mitigation strategies. These, in turn, will facilitate sustainable development. Climate change adaptation. Collaborative efforts in the insurance sector can foster the development of climate risk insurance, which provides coverage for climate-related risks such as droughts, floods, and cyclones. By helping individuals and communities recover from climate-related disasters, collaboration can contribute to SDG 13, climate action. I would place the Nairobi Declaration on Sustainable Insurance as one of the key initiatives to address this. Initially co-created by ICA Lion Group and UNED PSI, we have substantially grown from eight founder members to over 120, covering over 20 different countries in the continent, with an objective to provide a cumulative cover worth $14 billion to 1.4 billion people by 2030. Africa is known for having one of the lowest insurance penetration rates at, 3%, at less than 3%. Collaboration 
can enhance financial inclusion by leveraging technology and partnerships. In short tech companies, mobile network operators, and microfinance institutions can work together to develop inclusive insurance solutions that cater to underserved populations. This supports SDG 10, reduce inequalities, and SDG 17, partnerships for goals. I would share two relevant products that uh, insurance products that can um, facilitate this. Firstly, there's a livestock index-based solution that has been rolled out in Kenya recently, as well as the UNEPFI-supported V20 Sustainable Insurance Facility, which targets SMEs and MSMEs that form the bulk of the Africa economic market. Events like the UNEP-FI Regional Roundtable play a crucial role in enhancing collaboration in several ways. Firstly, they're a platform for networking and relationship building. Regional roundtables, such as the one held for Africa and Middle East in Windhoek, Namibia, bring together stakeholders from various sectors, including financial institutions, government agencies, businesses, and civil society organizations. These events provide a platform for participants to network, establish relationships, foster collaborations. Secondly, uh, knowledge sharing and learning, regional roundtables offer space for participants to share best practices, experiences, and lessons learned through some of the extensive panel discussions that were held, presentations, and workshops. Attendees can gain insights into innovative approaches, successful strategies, and emerging trends in sustainable finance and environmental management. What Philip said, I think, raises a couple of very interesting points, and I'd like to hear your views on on one of them. He mentioned that it was possible to think of using the collaboration around sustainable insurance also as a way of fostering a more inclusive and sustainable financial system more generally. And that one builds on existing networks and collaborates with others such as mobile uh, operators and so on to build up um, and, and microfinance institutions to build up the, the infrastructure for a more inclusive um, a more accessible finance, um, and for a continent such as Africa, that would be particularly important. Is it possible, do you think, to use this kind of collaboration to enable this kind of inclusive finance and ensure from the outset that it is oriented towards sustainable finance, sustainable development more broadly? Yes, of course. And I think what struck me with uh, Fidel's remarks is the protection gap and the insurance protection gap in Africa is acute. And having just been there, I was there for the regional roundtable of UNFFI in Windhoek. And before that, I, actually, I was actually in uh, Jamaica for the Caribbean Insurance Conference. It, it just revalidated to me, Elliot, how much the protection gap is in small island developing states and in, in, in Africa. And there must be a way 
to galvanize a more inclusive financial system that would apply to insurance as well. And there has been innovation over the years, be it at the micro insurance level or at the sovereign insurance uh, level for countries. But all of those efforts have fallen short, uh, actually, of what needs to be done. So there, there is now greater momentum on this, and I can cite a couple of things that I think are important. Um, the, a few years ago, the PSI partnered with the ministers of finance of the vulnerable 20 uh, countries. Originally, 20 countries from the most climate vulnerable countries in the world that now expanded to 58 countries. And we're using the mandate of ministers of finance to actually ensure that insurance solutions for these countries are sustainable and not just short-lived. And we're specifically targeting micro, small, and medium-sized enterprises because they are basically the backbone of economies around the world, particularly developing economies. And there's one statistic, Elliot, that I wanted to share with you that really struck me the most. Um, if you look at these V20 countries that now represent 58 countries around the world, many of them from the global south, Asia Pacific, Latin America and Africa and the Caribbean. One study showed that in the past two decades, Climate-related losses and damages have wiped out one-fifth of the wealth, of the combined wealth of the V20 countries. That's 20% of their GDP. And you can imagine how that has thwarted back sustainable development for many of these countries. So, yes, and one way to address that is to have more inclusive insurance solutions that's not just really for certain higher segments of society, but actually for the, um, the lower income and more vulnerable segments of society. And there's a real agenda there. Thanks, Butch. Um, let's listen now to Patti Kanwaye Martin, who's the managing director of Namibia National Reinsurance Corporation Limited. Patti spoke on how collaboration can help to achieve the SDGs. We do have um, avenues where we meet up together. We have associations that we belong to, and um, one of them is uh, definitely the one that we are working on uh, through the PSI, where we have uh, established the Nairobi Declaration for um, specifically for Africa, the Africa ESG journey, and I think that's also a way of collaboration as to how we can learn and how we can um, do various uh, things together in terms of target setting, uh, science-based uh, targets and, and the future of the ESG journey, how we can uh, work together. So I think that is um, one key example where we have set the Nairobi Declaration. And initially when we started, we were uh, between 8 and 15 members, founding members, um, of reinsurers, and as we speak now, we have a combination of insurers, reinsurers, um, intermediaries, um, brokers. It is quite a wide range uh, of uh, parties, and we are now at over 120. So that's part of showing how we're collaborating together. Uh, we, through this declaration, we have together as uh, part of 
together with FSD, um, uh, the, and, and the insurance sector, we have started to work on an African facility, uh, Africa Risk, uh, Disaster Risk Facility, where we are going to look for funding for loss and damage. And that is uh, also an initiative where we then need to work with government. Uh, I think that is quite key. Uh, and it has also come through the event that we were having today that it is very important to, um, to, to, to collaborate with governments because of uh, the policy effect that they are. Obviously, they need to set the policy for us as business to do our work uh, effectively. And then together with that, uh, let's not forget about the leg- regulators. Uh, we have learned also that through that regulation, uh, working with the regulators, we can increase compliance. So, but we must also be careful not to overregulate. So, but yeah, so uh, all the parties are very critical, and we shouldn't also forget the youth uh, and the civil society uh, in this equation. There's so much happening out there. Uh, what is happening in Uganda in terms of uh, agriculture? How we, how they have uh, taken a specific product in insurance from 300 people, 3,000 people to 750, scale it up to 750,000 uh, people participating on the policy. And it, we don't have to reinvent that wheel. It's just, you just take that and see. Uh, and I think they are currently doing it. Uh, they said they're working on Tanzania, they're working with Kenya, they're getting all these uh, people visiting them. So if, and that is the purpose of such an event to bring us together. When you listen to the youth there, uh, they're asking questions, and I think they, it, what has come out is that how can the youth uh, come out of the university and make use of uh, the opportunities that are there uh, to create sustainable uh, products or be part of a, a sustainable economy? Um, so that all that is, uh, the, the coordination is happening. And I think the most important uh, that has come out for me is also the fact that while we discussing these uh, solutions coming out, uh, so when the challenge has been put there, you will hear that this is what I have done or this is what we can do. And immediately, I'm sure when the African report is going to be compiled, it will bring out all these aspects as to what is it that... Uh, currently happening, what is the, challenge, the African challenges, we were hearing the African challenges, and now we also heard what is the African solutions to African, uh, to the African challenges that we are facing. So I think, yes, uh, it is absolutely a must-do. Uh, the regional roundtable uh, was an outstanding success, uh, and I, I think um, from even the participants, when you hear, uh, the comments are very positive, and everyone just wants to see the next step of how we scaling up or what is the action. And I think the, the other key uh, uh, point that came out is that what is the future, what, 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 what's next? We've been talking, we've been setting the scene, now we want implementation. Africa wants to see implementation. And I think it has come out also quite clearly from Lisa um, van der Ast, who was uh, heading the delegation, that uh, global, global emissions are at an all-time high. That is not something that we can hide away from. So the answer is that we can no longer find excuses. This, the, it's happening. So as we speak now, um, I, I just got a note that just next door in South Africa, they experiencing severe flooding in um, an area not far from Cape Town, which is in Pal, um, and it is they, they're saying this in 100 years, this has not happened. So 
the one river is just it's just it has reached what uh, levels that it has not reached in hundred years, and uh, so climate change. The more we're speaking about it, the more you you're getting the evidence just next door. But when we listen to Patty, she's made a few really important points. What struck me here was that she made a distinction between collaboration within the insurance industry and collaboration between the insurance industry and other stakeholders. And she mentioned the government as one of those stakeholders, regulators um, as another group, and civil society, including youth. Now, she she spoke about the role of government in helping to provide the the right kind of policy framework and that there's a role for policy advocacy here. But what really struck me was when she spoke about regulators, because I think that that is something that is much more immediate for the insurance industry. And to the best of my knowledge, the insurance industry uh, does have a rather positive, symbiotic relationship with its regulators. And do you see there a, a form of collaboration that might be unique, special to the insurance industry? Is it a, a lesson that could be learned elsewhere and used elsewhere? For sure. And this is actually embedded in the principles for sustainable insurance. Not principle three says we will work together with governments and regulators. The regulators there are targeted towards insurance regulators because they represent the rules of the game for insurance business. And if the rules of the game are not oriented towards sustainable development, then there's a potential misalignment. So you want regulatory insurance regulatory and supervisory frameworks that are aligned with sustainable development in the same way that the PSI is a set of principles for insurance market participants. To this end, Elliot, in 2006, the UNEP actually uh, launched the Stable Insurance Forum for regulators and supervisors um, in San Francisco. And that has led now to a PSI for regulators and we're actually engaging with them on these issues. But it took some time uh, for that to get going, but you're absolutely uh, and what Patty said is actually uh, very true. That has to be more um, connected uh, across markets around the world on how enabling regulatory and supervisory frameworks, be it on inclusion or climate risk or the nature agenda, could tie in with the innovations um, that the market is trying to do to address sustainability challenges. Can I also share something um Elliot, that struck me from Patty's remarks, because I think she cited um, the extreme flooding that happened in South Africa as the event in Windhoek was was happening. And, and for me, that just reminded me again of how climate change basically restates that the past is not a reliable indicator of the future. And there's one thing that really is in front of me when I think about Africa and um, developing regions like the Caribbean or Asia, which is my own region, which is the the recent stats that um, figures that came from the World Meteorological Organization or the WMO. Um, And they said that in 2015, the chance of exceeding the 1.5 degree global warming threshold was 0%. In 2017 to 2021, the chance of exceeding 1.5 degrees was 10%. And for the coming 2023 to 2027 period, Elliot, the chance of exceeding 1.5 degrees 
is 66%. Um, and that, so that's a very high likelihood. And in fact, the next five-year period, 2023 to 2027, one of those years and the five-year period as a whole, the probability of it being the warmest is 98%. So this just, again, shows how losses and damages that we have to deal with because of climate change is going to be more acute in Africa and developing countries. And this is why insurance and the risk management community really have can play a role. It's not, you know, a silver bullet, but it has a role to play in the overall resilience agenda. And in addition to that, we're adding um, the decarbonization and nature positive agenda as well. So there is a way to contribute to that. Uh, but the um, climate change and uh, is upon us. And the reality is that we need as much as we want to mitigate, we really need to prepare as well for the impacts of climate change, because as I as we as I keep on saying, 1.5 degrees is not a safe harbor. It's the least worst option that we could still re- realistically shoot for. So it brought a lot of re- re- reality to me listening to Philip and to Patty, and it also gave a lot more motivation, I guess, on how the UN through the PSI could be uh, an agent of change there for sustainable development. Thank you very much for that last thought in particular, Butch, because I do think that we've we've heard from our two interventions and from this discussion with you today that there is always going to be an element of risk that you can't mitigate, that you can't totally um, put aside. Uh, You can do your risk analytics, and that's a key role that the insurance industry plays. You can step up your prevention efforts, disaster risk reduction, and so on and so forth, but there remains a risk that you have to adapt to in order to deal with climate change and with all of the other changes that are happening and that the insurance companies, the insurance industry per se, plays a critical role here. It is interesting that both of our um, speakers mentioned the fact that collaboration already exists um, at all sorts of levels among uh, insurance actors and that there are many networks and initiatives that they can build on and they can convene the different stakeholders and build collaboration across different sectors and that that is essential to having a successful answer, successful response to the challenges posed by climate change and some of the other major trends that we see going on. By the same token, um, it was interesting, Patty in particular mentioned that there are different levels of intervention and that one has to be prepared to operate on all of these levels and I think um, you mentioned at the very outset of our discussion the net zero alliances which are in fact a way of collaborating at the global level in order to address some of the concerns that cannot be handled at the local or the regional level. With that, I think we we should draw close to the conversation today. Uh, I thank you, Butch, for joining us. And my thanks also to Patty and Philip for their contributions, although they weren't able to join us today for our conversation. If you enjoyed the conversation, please do stay in touch with us on our social media handles at UNEPFI. My name is Elliot Harris. Until the next time. Thank you and goodbye.